You know what I just kept thinking of when I watched this movie was the song um, I Love L.A. by Randy oh Newman. God. And like just like a bad Will Sasso, Randy Newman impression played in my head. What if he wrote that song for this movie? Los Angeles. Um, How yeah, Lynchian like, would that be? He was so... <laughs> Honestly, that is... I feel like... I don't know. I could see it. And I feel like it would make me mad initially. There's a scene in his movie, Inland Empire, which is his most recent film from 2006. What's it called? Inland Ooh. Empire. I-N-L-A-N-D. I think it's also another part of LA. It's a really good movie. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And there's a scene at the, towards the end where all of a sudden just like nine women appear in the main character's living room and start dancing to the locomotion. Honestly? And then they disappear. That's kind of and it's great. <laughs> that I remember was they like they song. like they like jump it's the line that's like jump in, jump out, you know, that part? The locomotion. Sure. And in the part that goes jump out, it cuts out and they just like jump in there and disappear. And the main character's like, uh <laughs> and it's <laughs> honestly incredible. <laughs> I kind of love that, though. It's, but it's, like, so fucking spooky, and that's, like, a scary movie. Sure. That's, like, a real scary movie. The question, I guess, on everybody's lips is, is this a scary movie? Yeah, that is a good question, and you know what? I still am on the fence mm-hmm. about it. Ooh, what are you drinking? We'll discuss. I have thoughts. A little wine. A little Cabernet. Uh, no, Pinot Noir. A little Cabernet. Life Pino- is a Pinot Noir. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I prefer a Pinot Noir. Um, well, I well, got it. Oh, there's a cat walking across is. the screen. I got it because last time we had pizza while watching Drag Race, and I Googled mm. what red wine goes well with pizza, and it said Pinot Noir. I feel like, yep. I, I don't know. know whatever. I don't remember the good. rules of wines anymore. I it's had all good. two glasses, and I fell asleep on the couch. Anyway, hi. Mm. Welcome to Halloweeners, hi. a horror movie podcast. I'm Cody. I'm Kira. That felt backwards. And... Uh, yeah, it was, but that's well, okay. You know, there's no rules, there's no structure. So this film, appropriate. It's fluid, uh, especially it's fluid. for this movie. Hello. Um, we're talking about um, Mul- Mulholland Drive. True. Which is a film by David Lynch, mm-hmm. which kind of teeters like, it's like not horror, but like it's not, not horror, but it's not not horror. right so i was the one that put this on the documents that we have that is like what should we cover and i was the one that put this on there because to me this is a horror movie and i can explain why but i would like to know your thoughts first kira so the lynch universe i'm not too familiar with um i've really just maybe dipped my toes into a few of lynch's films um and i think i made the mistake or maybe not i shouldn't say i made the mistake because I, he makes it so he, you go in confused. <laughs> yes. Or just maybe not sure what's going on, I should say. And so my initial thought was like, I'm confused. I'm mad. What about this first story about these two hot women? And then so by the time we kind of reach the second act, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, I was like, I don't know what's going on, so I checked out. So it was helpful for me to watch it again. Thank you, Cody, for letting Oh, you watched the whole thing again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had to. Because I I, I watched a video and... Yeah. I think it's... Did you watch it a second time? I think it's... No, I've seen this a lot. That was like my fifth or sixth time seeing it, so I I know pretty well. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So so basically you wrote the movie. Um, So I was there on set. I was nine. (laughs) (laughs) Aw. Oh my god, wait. I'm the one who named the diner Winkies, because, you know, that was my idea. Oh, because you're a baby? Because <laughs> I'm a baby. 
listeners, if you hear like a cat or a scurrying or a fountain, it's because I'm in a room with my cat, Rhonda, and she has an automatic fountain and she is a hyper woman. When you say fountain, I picture like Lincoln Center. Yeah, the Lincoln Center fountain. Oh, honey, that's just what she drinks out of. She, has, she gets what she wants. Bowl. Yeah. She's my little princess, and she always gets what she wants. <laughs> Lincoln Center? More like... Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I just fell asleep and woke up really fast. Hi. Sorry. Did I wow. say anything? <laughs> <laughs> I fell into a blue box that oh. is my own psyche. You know what? Sometimes you just got to say silencio. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and say silencio. You got to put a blue I did on. say silencio to myself a few times afterwards. Like, just, yeah. you know... Just when you're walking around. Um, because, so having a second, like, viewing was helpful, but... <laughs> just... But what? Do you hear that? N- oh, sorry. No, no troopers screaming. Oh, no. <laughs> the other side of the door. <laughs> you're getting cats in stereo. <laughs> Are you blind when you're blind? <laughs> Are you born when you're born? See, this is what I get for trying to be mature and saying, you know what? Let me take a minute to try to collect my thoughts before I say something so I don't waste time. <laughs> the and animal yet. starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a wacky ride. You know, I, I don't want to. I'm interested in talking about like the story, but mm. my like, I guess my top, my like shallow one word thoughts I, I i guess i like it i'm intrigued by the story yes and the complications and i like that with his movies you have to pay attention because like things are connected not everything mm-hmm. is connected but there, you know there are certain connections and certain images that are meant to like correspond with each other and so I think I also haven't challenged myself in that way in a hot minute. So I was sure. like, oh, wow, I got to be awake. Oh, wow. Um, so, <laughs> oh, 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 don't ow, like ow, that. Um, don't like being present. Um, <laughs> yeah, this isn't like a just throw it on movie. This is like a, you know, you got to watch it kind of movie. Okay, let me, to, mm-hmm. to relay my thoughts on this film, I have a metaphor. Please. <laughs> so the first time I ever tried to Bloody Mary, I was like, somebody else got it. And I was like, what is that? That looks weird. And I took a sip and I was like, I don't, mm, I don't like that. That's, that's weird. And then the second time I went to a brunch and somebody had a, somebody had a Bloody Mary, I was like, can I, let me have like a sip of that. And I took a sip and I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Hmm, I don't know if I like this, but I'm like certainly, you know, intrigued by it. I'm liking some of the notes here. Maybe, maybe not right now, but maybe I can come around to it. And then the third time I went to a brunch, I was like, do you want to split one? Like with the other person, do you want to like. I'll, I'll drink half of it because I think I'm starting to like it. And then the fourth time I was like, <laughs> on my own, I drank it. And then every single time since then, I've been like, I want my own Bloody Mary. I love the taste of it. I crave them and I enjoy my time with them. And that's me with this movie. The first time I saw it, I was like definitely younger. And I, I think it was definitely my first David Lynch film. I've since seen almost all of his stuff. And I was like, what the hell was that? It was really weird, but not... In a bad way. Like, I've seen movies that I've been, like, yeah. immediately... Like, a lot of the movies are, like, Terry Gilliam, which is, like... Um, I don't know if you've seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, I actually haven't, no. It's a bad movie. Um, but it's a movie that people are like, it's Ooh. crazy, you gotta see it. And I watched it one time, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, that's bad. Or other films like that. But this one, I 
watched the first time and I was like, interesting. Don't really know what happened there, but okay. <laughs> and then every single time oh, I've seen it since, which has been many, I now own it, obviously. I've multiple copies. Multiple, I want to know. <laughs> okay, yeah, I did. I, did, I bought the Criterion Blu-ray, and then a month later, they're like, "We're releasing on 4K," and I was like, "Okay, I want that too." So I have two copies of it. Um, one of which you now have. You can keep it if you want. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's um, totally intriguing, and I don't know something about it just keeps me coming back. And like, I find the the atmosphere of it, and like the general feeling the vibe to you know use a phrase i find it very weirdly inviting and cozy for a movie about like (laughs) degradation and depression in hollywood and it's one of those movies that the second it's over i'm like oh rats it's done oh okay that was i'm sad it's over and yes i do think this is a horror movie among other things i think it's also like a a neo-noir film i think it's a Dark, oh, yes. dark comedy mm-hmm. in some points. It's, you know, surrealist, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my thinking of it as a horror film is, first of all, the one thing that I have to say that right away locks it into, like, horror territory for me is this has, for me, the best jump scare in film history, period, which is the scene at the dumpster with the creature behind the dumpster. <laughs> the first time I saw that, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I'd never seen the image of that face before, and it, like, literally just, like, I can remember, like, a chill running from my toes to the top of my tippy-tappy head. And I just, like, it just really disturbed me. And it's something I've watched. I watched this scene a lot on YouTube just because I think it's so well built up and scary. And even though I know it's coming, I find it, like, weirdly, like, enjoyable now. (laughs) It still, like, gets me. It's just so, like, oh, my God. I think it's, like, the perfect construction of a jump scare. You know, it's not, like, a bird flying into a window or whatever. It's, like built up for like five minutes before the scare and you don't even know it's like building up towards the scare until it happens then you're like oh my god yeah so that alone is enough for me to be like okay i gotta there's horror roots in this but in general i think the trajectory of the story like the naomi watts character like for her it's a horror story you know she's she's facing her own mortality she's facing the repercussions of her own actions and in a way like looking at her inevitable death by her own hands almost like a detective would look at like somebody's death but it's it's about herself Mm. and i find that very scary like in a very like mortal um existential way i find it very like it's like it's like deconstructing the idea of like your own uh expiration and to me that's horror to me that's that's you know that's that's the actual (laughs) horror of daily life is you know looking at our existences which have a finite end date have a you know Mm. one day we'll reach the checkered flag and that's it and um you know (laughs) this movie doesn't like look at it with any sort of grace or uh comfort or dignity it's just like awful and scary and fast and loud and then it's like over and then it's silencio all of a sudden and to me that's horror that's scary to me Mm. And it's very much like, oh, you thought you were going to be happy? You don't. Yes. You don't get to be happy here. Right. Right. I mean, like, it's obviously about what Hollywood does to people and what L.A. culture in general does to people. But I think it's also about, in general, what, like, Americana does to people and what we as people who, you know, every American is born with an inherent, like, promise by the country that is 97% of us are not going to see fulfilled because that's, like... Because if, because if the number was higher, 
of success, then this country would not function. And I think the like lie of America is kind of like represented in this film and this one woman. It's like she, you know, arrives with this hope of achieving success. And like, as much as we talk about, you know, success in the arts as a, in, in like a noble fashion almost, it is still a business and it's still something you're achieving, you know, a, a level of monetary comfort from. Mm-hmm. So it is still like a capitalistic victory if you do well in entertainment in any medium. And, you know, she, like anybody else, is met with rejection and failure from that grinding factory of capitalism and has to reckon with it. And yeah, that's scary to me. <laughs> and personal rejection, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know. romantic. Uh-huh. Well, romantic oh, oh, tied oh, up oh, in oh. professional rejection. Business. And that makes it even yeah. harder, you know? Yeah. And just the idea of like, like kind of the reconciliation of like, is it, am I not talented or is it like the whole system is just kind of rigged against me? Like, are there right. bigger forces or that, both. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cause when she first shows up, you know, it's like oversaturated colors mm-hmm. and people are, those old people are smiling like they would have been. And the, the picture she has, I guess, of from like the jitterbug contest or whatever, and, um, you know, everything just feels like hunky-dory, noir. It's not. It's gross. You're, you're crying on the couch, masturbating, staring at the wall. I mean, that's the reality of it. Listen, been there. Um, Girl, I mean, <laughs> visceral. <laughs> also, I have to say, has female masturbation ever been presented in a positive way in, I'll say, American film? I don't think so. <laughs> it's always... I'm trying I, to think. I feel like... Female masturbation is always depicted as, like, look how far she's fallen. And male masturbation is almost (laughs) always humorous. It's almost always comedy. You know, like American Pie. I would love to think about this. And I would love, listeners, let us know. Please. Are there any? Is there any film? Is there any film? (laughs) Is there any any moment where a female body is, or, you know, someone with a... I'm tired. I got you. Masturbation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you want to just, what do you think? Do you think we should just kind of talk through the movie or like, what was your interpretation? I, I definitely mm, have a bias. I, know. I mean, much like this film itself, it's hard to discuss in a linear way. It's like, do you talk in order? I think the best way to discuss it is to talk about like the reality of the film that it's presenting. And then mm. like the dream, because I think the thing you okay. get right away from this movie is like, Half of this is a dream, dream half, is it, half of it is real. I think that's pretty... Yeah. I, I don't want to say clear because nothing in this movie is clear, but I think if you're going to watch it with, like, just a surface level paying attention, that is, like, if nothing else, you can take it that away from the movie. Did not did not catch that at first. Did not notice. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> well, like, normal, I just said. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was so much a dream. I was just like, that's just not... Or we've shifted dream- to another sure. plane. Not to say, like, I had the right interpretation, but, like, no, I no, just no. kind of was I, like, I don't know where I am here. Well, because dream is, even saying dream is simplifying it, because it's not so much like she woke up and then she was out of her dream that she was having. Because it really is, like, mm. an imagined state. It is a visualized alternate reality, you know, whether it's an actual alternate reality that's happening somewhere or a a desired alternate reality that like the character wants to be happening. Mm. It's dream is a simple way to call it, but yeah. Sure. 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 I, I will say a lot of my interpretation of this film. I, I didn't get from this video that I'm going to talk about, but I'll be referencing a lot. This specific 
YouTube video that goes through the story and, like, provides some semblance of explanation. And, like, a lot of it is stuff I'd already thought. And, like, some of it is stuff that kind of, like, tied it all together. Um, I'll link to it, obviously. But it's by a user called London City Girl. And I think it's one of the best (laughs) explanations of if you're looking for a way to streamline this movie into, like, an A to B plot in a very, like, typical story sense, I think this is the best way to look at the movie. I think... Okay. But David Lynch's thing is that he never explains his shit. He never provides, like, this means that. That is this. He never does that. So it really is up to you to interpret it however you want, but I think this reading of it is the one that most sparks the joy in me (laughs) when I watch the film and makes everything (laughs) make sense in a way that... Makes the movie better. Not that it, making sense makes it better or worse, but you know what I mean. Okay, I watched a I watched a video as well, so I'm mm-hmm. curious if it's the same one. So take me away. Interesting. Take it away and take me away. I think it's best to start at like the end, which to me is the reality of the film. So everything that happens mm-hmm. after they go to Club Silencio, this pair of women, um, and they get home from it, and one of them opens a blue box, and the camera goes into mm-hmm. the box. After that, woo! <laughs> after that, I think that's where the film starts to depict the reality of the situation yeah. for this main character. And it's not in a linear fashion. It's still, you know, very like, um, even though it's not the quote unquote dream anymore, it still is very much like dream logic and the way it like jumps from character and character and scene to scene is still very disorienting. But I think it is kind of the more grounded essence of the film like what's actually happening which is funny because the dream itself is like the first two hours of the movie basically and then the last like 20 minutes is like this awful reality of the situation uh anyway yeah. so after they go in the box <laughs> uh the character oh, i need to even though i've seen the movie a million times but i still like struggle with the characters names and shit because it's confusing we go into the box and diane the naomi watts character wakes up and we see her life from then on out and basically what's what's happening is she uh is a an actress and she is in a relationship with camilla rhodes or at least was in a relationship with camilla rhodes Mm. who is uh Mm -hmm. a uh a a brown-haired lady that we see earlier in the film and they were lovers and they were both actresses who were up for the same part in this film Mm -hmm. camilla gets it diane doesn't it starts to put a strain on the relationship and they start drifting apart um, they eventually break up, it seems like, and it's not super clear if, like, what what the reason was for that exactly. But then, uh, Diane gets invited to a party by Camilla, and Diane seems to think it's gonna be, like, a reconciliation of, uh, the two of them. Mm-hmm. But she goes there, and, uh, it's revealed Ugh. that Camilla and her director of the film that, uh, she was cast in, uh, whose name is, what is his name? Adam Kesher. Yeah. Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. Not, I, oh, I knew I was going to fucking do that. What's his name? Justin What's his Thoreau. name? Damn it. I'm sorry. That's very close. And I've never seen them in the same room together. That's true. I haven't same. seen them at all ever. But Justin Thoreau is the guy from The Leftovers, that TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I know. I'm aware. It's a great show. He's the Married one to Jennifer who was like, Aniston, I think. Mar- I or think was. He was. Yes. Oh, Famously, he has oh. a big dick. What? Hold, hold on now. <laughs> There's like a Didn't scene of him that. in The Leftovers several times where he has to like jog in like gray sweatpants and it's like. Oh, yeah, no, I remember me? that. <laughs> anyway, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when it shook the earth to its core. 
Anyway, so she goes to this party. Adam, the director, and Camilla announce their engagement, essentially. And Mm -hmm. importantly, in this scene, Camilla is seen, like, kissing another woman. Mm-hmm. who is the actress who plays the like Camilla incognito role in the dream sequence. And I think that is to kind of show like, you got to imagine if she was an actress coming up at this time period in Hollywood, maybe Camilla would break off things with her female lover because that would be seen as a, uh, a verboten thing in Hollywood was to be gay in any sense. So maybe mm-hmm. Diane was justifying mm-hmm. the breakup with, you know, well, she has to do this for her career and I, I even if I don't right. respect that I, I understand where that's coming from but to show her kissing another woman in public at her engagement is kind of like oh no no it wasn't that she was afraid of being found out to be gay she just right. didn't like you Missy and that sucks <laughs> I truly I hated that That the, it's like just 10 seconds but it's so rough and the fact that they're like uh, we're such a happy couple yeah <laughs> it's like it just you feel it. You feel it. It's, it's, very, it's very visceral. It's very like, why did you invite me here if not to like torture me? Like, what was the reason? Why did you get a car to pick me up, uh, force me to come out, like call to make sure I was coming? Uh-huh. You, oh, you can say it to my face. Interesting. That's interesting. That's and interesting. And she even like came really down cool. to the car and was like, come here. I have a surprise for you. Oh, my God. I don't God. know. It was weird. The tomfoolery. Nope. But, so what does she do? What does uh, Diane do, our leading lady? She hires a hitman. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'm going to do. And where do they meet? At Winkies. At Winkies, yes. So basically, um, to kind of like wrap up the reality of it, Camilla is presumed killed by the hitman because he leaves his calling Mm -hmm. card, which is a blue key, which the hitman says, I will leave this when the job is done. We see it on Diane's coffee table indicating like Camilla's dead. It's done. And... Camilla, uh, or sorry, oof, Diane, the names get hard in this. <laughs> Diane, yeah, totally. uh, you know, tortured by the guilt of this decision and the uh, inevitable, like, being caught because, like, she's going to get caught, kills herself. So to back things up a little bit, <laughs> I think everything that happens before they go in the box basically happens in, like, the moment she kills herself. Like a like a oh. last minute um, flashing before your eyes kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like her brain is like racked with guilt, and so restructures this scenario where uh, what she did, she hired this hitman to kill her ex lover, doesn't actually happen, and there's justification for all the horrors and traumas that have happened to her, and her brain like gives her that almost as like a gift <laughs> to be like, here you go. <laughs> Wrapped up in a blue box, one might say. Um, oh. But it doesn't matter. You know, like the illusion is broken because reality has come crashing down. She's She ends up dead. So to rewind, <laughs> we go back to the start of the movie and we see Betty arriving in Hollywood. She, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, it's that scene where they're at the airport and it's like so mm-hmm. weird and so mm-hmm. like jacked up the energy and it's so bright it's like it feels like the sun is like exploding it feels like what it probably feels like to step off the plane at LAX with a dream in a cardigan and wait I think she's literally wearing a cardigan <laughs> she really is Miley oh Cyrus no well Miley oh my Cyrus. god and Billy Ray uh-huh B- Billy and Ray I mean there's a connection here just saying Billy Ray Cyrus who shows up I, I have to think 
Okay, maybe not because this is I'm centering myself in the situation, but I have to think that was maybe slightly intentional <laughs> because she steps off the dream with the at LAX with the dream name cardigan. She step oh I'm getting tongue tied. She gets steps off the plane at, at LAX with a dream and a cardigan. You know what's so funny? Into the movie her father is in. I am sure there have been many a uh, cute blonde woman showing up in LAX with a cardigan. I mean, let's ask Billy Ray. Billy, come on out. Billy? Billiam? Billiam? I mean, that is a quinky dink. But also, I was like, how much, how many years is between that and Hannah Montana? Because he was. Probably like five or six. Yeah. That's insane. This is 2000 and, or 2001, and that was like. 2001. 2006, I want to say, ish. Oh yeah, and the um the sound is like dubbed over, like it sounds crazy. Yes, like they it is. um, Uh, Thanks, ma'am. Whatever. Yeah, you can tell that like that's not the actual live sound that was recorded. It was clearly dubbed back over later. Yeah, there's one where she's like, um, "Okay, Irene." Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Irene. My bags. (laughs) Right? Or something. She says something about yeah. her luggage and, like, someone's already, like, taken it. Where to, miss? <laughs> just I love it. And even if you, like, don't know exactly why it feels weird, you're kind of like, I don't know about this. <laughs> something yeah. is right. weird. It's, because it's I giving you all, the, like, this. the indications of, like, this is a happy memory. This is, like, the sunlight and everybody's smiling yeah. and, like, the plane trip went well. She made new friends and, like, all the evidence is there of, like, she's having a good start. But, like, you can't hide the, like, you know, creeping horror underneath something is really wrong here i feel like it slowly fades into like because yeah when when the box is opened and the camera goes into the box we clearly shift into reality or you know we clearly shift into a different time and space but i feel like the beginning like the first scene of the movie up until then like slowly moves away from like the saturated look like the first scene is like super saturated and like corny and then like we slowly you know, we're so quirky, but it's, we're getting a little more realistic. And then like, it slowly just gets a little more bleak until we definitely, finally... it's almost like, Loom. it's almost like the sun is setting in real time, like across the film. And oh. like, by the time they go to Club Silencio, it's like 2am, you know, like, it's like, the sun is gone. There's nothing you can do. It's dark. <laughs> it's horrible. Mm. I'm pretty sure most of the rest of the movie takes place in the daytime. I might be wrong about that, but a lot of it does. Oh. At least. A lot of it does at least. Yeah. Interesting. Except for the very beginning where we see the Rita character um, survive mm-hmm. an assassination attempt. Yeah. Oops. Um, oopsie. Uh, that's a nighttime, obviously. And then she wakes up in the stranger's house that she breaks into. So anyway, yeah. Betty goes to her aunt's house. She's an aspiring actress and she's going to mm-hmm. stay at her aunt's place while her aunt is out of town. Her aunt, who is somehow involved in the so movie cool. business. I think she was maybe an actress. I don't know. But she has She's connections. Just, you know. She knows people. She, it's, it's L.A. Everybody knows L.A. And um, <laughs> when Betty gets there, she sees a naked woman in the shower. And she's like, oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't know somebody would be oh. here. <laughs> Super chill about so it. So chill about it. This woman does not know who she is. She has no memory of what happened. She has amnesia yeah. from a previously seen car accident after an assassination attempt gone awry. And mm-hmm. she names herself Rita because she sees a poster for the movie Gilda in the bathroom, which stars Rita Hayworth, mm-hmm. which I love. Heard of her. Heard of it. And then it makes for them to have these like cute, but also completely n- not realistic names. 
I mean, I'm sure yeah. there was many Ritas in the early 2000s, but it's just like Betty and Rita. You know, it's just very, ooh, ooh very It sounds old, like Archie comics. Old Hollywood. Yeah. It, yeah, seriously. Anyway, so the rest of the movie for them is basically trying to figure out uh, her identity. And at the same time, Betty mm-hmm. is an aspiring actress, and we see her trying to make her way through the Hollywood scene. Um, Oy, yeah. And there's a few <laughs> there's a few other storylines happening to the side, which we can I'll, I'll clearly elaborate upon right now. So one is we see a scene, the previously aforementioned scene at the diner, which has the best jump scare of all time in oh, it. Uh-huh, it's uh-huh. like two dudes we never really see again. One of them is telling about a nightmare uh, that this guy had where he saw this horrible creature behind the dumpster at Winkies, and they go out and like walk towards the dumpster and they see the creature. And he faints or dies. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I that just, was very dramatic. I just fucking love the scene so much. Oh, it's oh, just oh, like he's mad. I I'm so mad about it. It's just <laughs> everything leading up to the like leaving the diner is still scary. Like the sound is off. You know, they're in this crowded diner. We mm, don't really hear mm-hmm. the other diners. They're all just kind of sitting there, and there's very little ambient no- noise or even like. Do you know the phrase room tone? Um, I don't know, <laughs> but okay, I guess so I can surmise what it is. Room tone is basically after they do a scene in a movie, they'll like uh, they'll say like, "All right, hold for room tone," and they'll just like record dead noise essentially, so that right. oh um, yes, okay, and then they'll put that under the audio in the film so that it doesn't sound like off putting. <laughs> like, like when you talk in real life, there's yeah. you know other noise around it. It's not just the sound of your mouth unless you're like making that a point in the film. And there's very little of that in the scene. And there's also this, like, slowly building bass sound, like, rumbling Mm, underneath, mm -hmm. like, before you even know it. And it just, Mm -hmm. like, it makes you feel just so off, you know? Something is weird about this diner and the situation, and he's explaining this nightmare in detail, and you're like, I don't... Even if I don't know what's about to happen, or, like, that something is about to happen, it just feels... feels weird. Yeah, and their their acting is, like, a little off, yeah, like the friend is weird. They don't finish their food, or at least the guy telling the story doesn't. They don't finish or pay for. They don't finish their food, and they don't pay for it. Which I mean, I guess is fair. I think the friend does pay for insane. it, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Cody, I will fight I'm you. I'm so in these sorry. Streets. Anyway, so that happens. Um, at the same time, there's this storyline about Adam, the director, Justin Thoreau, trying to get his movie made yes. and being curtailed by this like insidious kind of mafia situation going on in hollywood that's mm, like you got to cast right, this brothers. actress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got to cast this actress in this movie and he's resistant to it until they start fucking with his movie they start like pulling the finance on both the movie and his own personal finances they send oh, a, right. like a guy like fuck up his house and like i think he either hurts or kills his wife um anyway oh right <laughs> that was so, so weird he was weird so he becomes like pressured to cast Camilla Rhodes in this movie. Right. But she looks different this time. But she looks different this time. She looks like the woman who kisses Diane in the engagement party scene in the reality. Kisses Camilla. Yeah. You said kisses Diane. I'm sorry. Camilla kisses. It's it's confusing. It's a lot of names. You know what I mean? So she's technically kissing herself, you could say. In a way, right. What I get from this is like... And this is elaborated on in the video I talked about. In this dream state, the character of Diane, Betty, Naomi Watts, is reckoning with, like, her inability to find success in Hollywood. And she's kind of telling herself, like, 
there's a reason you didn't get it. It's not because you're not talented. It's because like exactly. either yeah. a director was corrupt and forced to char- cast this character. Meow. <laughs> or the director was incompetent because we see her in an, in an, in an audition scene. And she, like, mm-hmm. kills the audition. Everybody in the room, like, agrees. Yes. Except for the director who's like, oh, uh, yeah, good job. Like, does not get it. So either, like, either the only yeah. reason she couldn't have gotten this part because she was, the director was incompetent or the director was forced by, like, a shadowy organization. Like, it's, which <laughs> right. is very conspiracy theory. You know, that's very, like. And fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, uh, you know, actors do that all the time as an actor myself. Like we tell ourselves like, well, they didn't cast me because, well, they knew the actor who got cast, like they were sleeping with them or like, oh, they're just actually an mm-hmm. idiot. You know, like they, they don't know what they're doing. Like anything to tell yourself it had nothing to do with you. It's like, not there you. Was, mm-hmm. there's not, it's not you. Right. It's not you. Mm-mm. It's not you, baby. what do you think of the scene where the doctor goes to see the cowboy? Okay. So... At first, I was like, okay, this is very on brand. And I don't know what it was trying... I mean, I wonder if this, to me, reminded me of, like, the old westerns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it's a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. And so I thought, okay, maybe this is, like, hanging on to this, like, spirit of old Hollywood that's kind of, like... Mm, you know, maybe you could say outdated. Mm-hmm. For the time, maybe. Like, just, I mean, westerns are cool. But, um... You know, and, like, it's also a very hetero uh, male Mm -hmm. thing. I don't feel, like, strong about that choice. I also am, like, it could just be, like, this ambivalent spirit that doesn't have eyebrows. No eyebrows. Yeah. Which sounds like, you know, people I've worked with, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, I so, I mean, that was just my kind of initial take from it, but I don't feel super... Uh, confident sure. about it like I wouldn't bet my life on that what is yeah, your yeah uh, I just like your take so basically the director is told after like being terrorized by this mob to like go see the cowboy the cowboy and mm, they even like at the even, ranch like, at the ranch he even like jokes about it like to his secretary who was like given the information like he's like want to have to go to the ranch and she's like actually oh, yes <laughs> yes you do actually <laughs> don't joke about that bitch he tells the director if you do good Basically, if you do what you've been told to do, <laughs> you will see me one more time. And if you do bad, you'll see me two more times. Okay. And in the movie, we see him two more times. So we were bad. We were bad. Well, if you have to, so you have to imagine good. if this is all from Diane's perspective, from Naomi Watts' perspective, and she sees him twice, then it's right. like she's basically telling herself, like, I was bad. Because she sees him... When it goes from dream to reality, he enters her bedroom and says, hey, pretty girl, time to wake up. And she sees him in the background of the engagement party. So. Oh, right, 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 right. It's like an indication that, like, she fucked up. (laughs) But why is it a cowboy? I think because, to your point, I think you're right. I think he represents, like, part of the mystique of Hollywood, which this movie is deconstructing. Because, like, nothing is more... Like self mythologizing and like macho than the cowboy, which you know we've yeah. learned a lot of things about the way that Hollywood has depicted cowboys or you know false and have led to bad uh, interpretations of the American West as this like ultra like ultra white ultra macho mm. uh, mm-hmm. thing when like that wasn't true. A lot of cowboys were non white, and a lot of you know even today. <laughs> Side note. So when the movie <laughs> Brokeback Mountain came out, a lot of the like P 
people's uh, like homophobic reaction to it was like oh we're God. like fucking up the American Western. Like John Wayne is rolling in his grave. And then this past year, when uh, the movie The Power of the Dog, you know the movie. Oh gosh, it sounds so familiar. It was on Netflix. I... It's this amazing okay. movie about. It was up for a lot of Oscars. It was up. It was about. It's about a. Uh, like a secretly queer cowboy who like hides his queerness behind aggressive macho uh, mystique. He's he's completely misanthropic and just like awful to everybody around him. But it's like hiding a like tortured <laughs> queer soul that's mourning his dead lover. And uh, it got a lot of praise. But there was this one interview that uh, the actor Sam Elliott gave, who like is famous for being like. Mm-hmm cowboyish he was like all these fucking like homos around the, this movie like blah 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 and it just goes to show that the west was painted as this like insanely macho straight white bastion of all that this country stands for and like we've since come to learn that that's not true and i think that's why this cowboy is here because it's like if anything's gonna get you to like listen up mr Dr- director man is this like pillar of old Hollywood machoism of like straight white power. Like I'm a cowboy. <laughs> you Listen to me. Bitch. Yeah. I'm a cowboy bitch. What if he had assless chaps? Like when he turned around and the corral scene just turns around assless chaps. <laughs> and like a full dump truck, like huge, huge, but like, Ooh, like you get you, Ooh, you stop. I was talking to my friend, Katie, and we were playing the game Mario Party on the Switch, like, from afar, and her husband was, like, um, we're, the, the, the character Wario has, like, a huge ass, and um, <laughs> he does. He does. He just does. It's just a fact. And so her husband was, like, oh, my God, he's got such a big, what's it called? A big, a big garbage truck. <laughs> and we were, like, garbage truck. <laughs> Horrible. So you're getting a divorce. <laughs> Garbage truck. Just hand over the papers. No. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yep. What is it? Garbage truck? What's it called? I guess a huge, what's it? Garbage truck? So basically what's happening here in this dream is I think Diane is constructing this alternate reality for herself where her success is not due to her failures and also she is absolved of the murder of her lover because we see yeah. the like hitman that she eventually hires and in her dream he's like totally incompetent first of all like the movie starts with a failed hit <laughs> yeah. and so we see like a, this one scene where this hitman just like fucks up everything he like kills two people by accident when should be just like one he kills like no he kills like three people three people <laughs> sorry <laughs> my god yeah um and it's just, like it's like a it's like a farce it's like it's like a three yeah. stooges bit um and i think it's just her <laughs> yeah. way of being like no, it didn't happen. Like because he probably was really mm-hmm. bad at his job. Like he, maybe maybe he missed or something. Yeah. Um, notably, like she populates her dream with people that she sees in real life. Like uh, the mm. Ann Miller character, who is her landlord oh. in her dream. Yeah. In real life, is the director's mom, and yeah. in her dream, the guy who sees the demon behind the dumpster Mm -hmm. she sees in winkies when uh she's hiring the hitman and Mm -hmm. the guy in the dream says to his friend like in my dream you were right over there and in real life Mm -hmm. when he looks when she sees him at the winkies that's where he's standing that's where the guy who tells the story is standing yeah um so like she's just populating her dream with these people and and the waitress in winkies is named um yeah no betty uh, well in real life she's named betty and in the dream, she's named Diane, which sends them to, like, explore um, mm-hmm. this Diane Diane's person. Apartment. Right, which is how they see this dead body, which is actually 
uh, Diane's, Diane's dead body in real life, which is Naomi Watts. Do you get it, listeners? You dumb fucks. Do you fucks? get it? You idiots? It's so obvious. It's not obvious at all. <laughs> Basically, it's just like kind of her rewriting her own narrative, much like Hollywood yeah. does, like where it rewrites a lot of narratives throughout history to be oh, like, interesting. we're mythologizing ourselves, we're absolving ourselves of any blame, especially like in American sense. There's so much, so much like... Uh, in Hollywood and movie history that's like, uh, and America saves the day when, like, that wasn't mm, the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, like, isn't everything better? Yeah, there's, you have, um, you know, it's the Great Depression, but right. isn't it cool, these movies? I mean, yes, it was helpful, but, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is also kind of sad. Right. I mean, like, back then there was the, the Hayes Code, which is a way of, it was a censorship code that dictated that all movies must have if not happy endings, they must have a comeuppance for the villain character. So, like, there was mm-hmm. there there was no mm-hmm. ambiguity. Evil was always defeated, which is just, like, not realistic in real Lame. life, especially in America. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so interesting. interesting. That's kind of, like, the summation of the movie, basically. There's a lot more to it, obviously. You know, you can, you can spend all day watching this movie and, like, being like, oh, that's this and this is that. But, but that's really yeah. what happened was, like, because after watching it with y'all, I was like what in the damn hell like what Mm -hmm. happened to these first two girls like what the fuck and so when i went home i watched a video where someone talked about it and they gave essentially the same kind of summary that you gave where it's you know just her dream fantasy it definitely helped like (laughs) knowing what was kind of going on yeah (laughs) exactly happening is right but um yeah i would say if you haven't seen it if you're not familiar with lynch's style like just kind of go in and kind and do your best to pay attention to everything but also like just keep your mind open i guess but yeah i just to be clear i don't think you have to go into the movie like being like what does it mean which like i've done i've done like my best to be like explaining it but like you can watch this movie the first like five times i watched it i was like i don't know what's going on but like something about it is just super like captivating to me personally yeah that's just like the way it goes. Yeah, and again, it's nice to have something different, and like you know, it takes you on a journey, and you, yeah, and, uh, you know, and sometimes it's it's good to it's a nice reminder that like you know, not all film, not all film storytelling is linear, right? And I don't I don't always explore those options as much, right? Like if you're if you're I th- I think if films limited themselves to a certain type of story structure, then you're, like, inherently limiting the types of stories you can tell. And, like, not that everybody has to like all types of stories being told, because, like, that's just Mm -hmm. obvious. I think when we, you know, explore the different ways that film can tell stories or can um, relay messages in non-typical Hollywood three-act structure, like, ways, I think that's, Mm. you know, all the better for the medium. Very true. Mm. And, like, very cool of you to be, like, not only is... I'm talking to David Lynch. David, yeah. um, it's David. cool to Dave? say like, hey, this piece is not only showing how like kind of fucked up this whole Hollywood system is, but I'm also going to tell it in a way that's not how the Hollywood would tell it. Exactly. Oh, yeah, Kira. I love that. Oh, ooh, that's oh, it. That's my one. That's brain. my one good thing. I love it. No, 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 no. Lots of good things. <laughs> also, I just have to say this movie starts with the logos for... Janice Films and Studio Canal, so um, which I thought was funny because if you look at it, it could be like J. Anus Films and Studio Canal. Like, there's a lot of just some butt stuff. Um, you, I saw you write that down, and I said, "I really? did." It's the very first note <laughs> in my. <laughs> But, I mean, you're not This wrong. intelligent, brainy film, and I'm like, anus. <laughs> Anal. Anal. What does Anus. it mean? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we had like, also, I, I want to mention how like, if in the dream world, like the head like spirit entity who was like running Hollywood was yes, yeah, just this dude behind a glass mm-hmm. when behind glass, what am I saying? Behind yeah. glass, not eating, sleeping, pissing or eating. Nope. <laughs> I said eating twice. <laughs> That's how important it is to me. <laughs> um, but I thought that was so great and interesting and creepy. I really loved like the mystery of the first act because you, I really mm-hmm. was like, what? Where and how? You know, like, how are, what is yeah. going on in this, in this place? Yeah. It's it, ooky spooky, noir, surrealist, r- drama conflama. Yeah. And that actor is from Twin Peaks. He plays the, like, guy in the red room. And um, in real life, arm, he's... Right? Uh, yes. Think, in real life, he's a dwarf, and in this movie, they gave him, like, prosthetics to make his, like, limbs longer, and it just is really off-putting. <laughs> like, something is just definitely off by, like, the proportions of this character, which just, like, adds to it, the whole thing. It's like, what's going on here? What am I looking at? Yeah, and then, like, so his arms never move. And nope, his whole body just never chilling. moves. He's just chilling. I love the scene uh, where it's the audition scene for the movie where we see the uh, dream version of the Camilla Rhodes character singing this 50s song and it's all like dubbed. I love the scene for some reason. It just like really captivates me and it like ties into the whole uh, scene at Club Silencia where the announcer is like, he keeps saying no Ibanda. Like there's no, there is no band. And in this audition mm. scene, there's also no band. It's her lip syncing to oh, this track, right. but it's still captivating. Like something about it is just captivating yeah. and like, in the same way that in the Club Silencio scene, we see Rebecca Del Rio singing. Uh, it's a Spanish cover of Roy Orbison's Crying. And it just, like, it feels so real, even though you've been told over and over and over again, like, she's not actually singing. This is a recording. Yeah. Which speaks to the whole, like, mythos of Hollywood. It's them, like, over and over again being like, this isn't real. This isn't real. But, like, expecting you to still buy into it to some degree. And, like, at a, some point we do. Ooh. Like, it, it's filmed in such tight close-up that you think, well, she must be singing. And then she faints and the song keeps going. And you're like, oh, oh, right, mm. of course. Like, of course you're not singing. It's all an illusion, babe. Mm-hmm. Just like life. Yep. Think of it. Just like Willow Pill think said <laughs> in her verse. What'd she say? She said something about it's all an illusion or something. It's all an illusion. I think she originated something. the idea. I love it. She invented she invented Lynch. She Yeah. She gave birth to him. Yep. Also What would lesbians have the, sex uh, to? What? <laughs> that was us watching it. I thought that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> also when they tell the director to hire the Camilla Rhodes character, they keep mm-hmm. saying, like, this is the girl, this is the girl, mm-hmm. this is the girl. Mm-hmm. And in the real life, when Betty hands the headshot to the hitman, she says, this is the girl. Mm. Yeah. It's just very, like, we are going to, you know, just really, this woman is just, like, has got to go. Or I mean, she's she, she, she literally gives Camilla's headshot as, like, the photo reference mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. headman, which is also yep. kind of funny. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a few moments of that where it's like things are said in the dream world that is for a completely different reason. The real world, like um, we don't stop here or something like when they're in the car. Yes, 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 yes. It's minor, but they say it twice. I also love the part where um, they're calling Diane, like her apartment, when they figure out the Rita character sees the the diner waitress with the name tag Diane and goes, Diane Selwyn, that's that's my name. That's or that's something. And so mm. they call the Diane Selwyn they find in the phone book. And the Betty character says, it's kind of weird to be calling yourself. And like, Mm, mm -hmm. because they are calling her. They're calling Diane Selwyn, which is actually the Betty character. Yeah. Yeah, because even Betty says, I mean, um, Rita says she's like, maybe it's not me. And it's Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. you. Because it's it's not. Yeah. 
Definitely. I also love that, like, in the dream, the Rita character is totally... First of all, she's an amnesiac, so she like, is constantly, like, in a daze, basically. She, like, has no mm-hmm. idea what's going on. And she's, like... But in a way, she's, like, sub- subservient and really um, impressionable, really mm-hmm. uh, open to suggestion. And in real life, when we see her, she's, like, totally, like, in charge. She knows what she's doing. She, like, says no when they have sex on the couch mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, she's the one who's, like, tricky about the party and, like, kind of, like, devious about it. Uh, so she's, like, recasting this character, uh, Diane, in her dream as, like, subservient, like, dream girl, basically. Yeah. Oh, manic pixie. Lethargic. Manic pixie amnesiac girl. <laughs> Lethargic vintage uh-huh. woman. Right, named after like a a, a Hollywood sorry pinup actress. Like she's you know Rita Hayworth is very talented, but she was known for being put on posters and stuff. But even like Dream Rita was also like, yeah, like ooh, I, I, let's do it, let's go. She's It'll be up like for in the it. movies. She's game. She yeah. is game. She's game for the relationship. She is able to completely throw herself into the relationship and be there. Right. And be right. Like, she even like puts on like a Rita's wig to everything. look like her. Yeah. And there's yeah. like a scene where. Um, the Betty character is wearing an outfit that looks just like the gray oh. suit that um, the main actress wears in Vertigo, which is all yes. about a movie all about like disguising yourself and transforming your lover into your former lover, oh. like projecting onto somebody something that isn't actually there, but like you want to be there so badly and you don't care about their actual like individual agency. Very uh, Liberace, I believe. <gasps> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very Liberace. <laughs> he's on here though. No, he's not here. Know. He's on the movie. Yeah. Anyway, but so yeah, this is Halloweeners. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes, thank you. You can so find much for us listening. on um, Twitter and Instagram at Halloweeners Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at CodyMonster91. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hey Kira Hey. Uh, you can right. follow Leah Patterson, who does the beautiful artwork at A Tender Witch on Instagram. And you can um, follow. Oh, go ahead. Take it. Take it. No, go. And then I'm going to oh, end oh, it. Okay. Go. <laughs> and uh, you can follow our theme music composer at Apre Pompeii. He's on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, and Spotify. Listen to his beautiful music. Yes. And if you like us, um, make sure you comment, like, subscribe, follow us, whatever. Do what you got to do. We're on all the sites, like we mentioned. And uh, we're also on Cash App. So if you are able to (laughs) throw a few dollars our way, um, all of our shit is free. So um, it helps us support the podcast, keeps our uh, pays for our shit so we can keep our shit online forever and ever and for equipment. Mm So uh, we're on Cash App at Halloweeners Pod and uh, anything helps. Or just, you know, liking and sharing for free. That's cool too. We love it. Yes. Thank you for listening and Silencio. Oh, 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 oh.